Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Let us pray. Holy God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Still us now, that we might draw closer to you. Amen. Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Listen now for the word of God. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, and what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you're not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will God clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it's the nations of the world that strive after all these things. God knows you need them. Instead, strive for God's kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that don't wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. A few weeks ago, I visited three of our incredible national parks, Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, and Glacier National Parks. They were spectacular. It was the trip of a lifetime. The weeks leading up to the trip, however, were not so spectacular because I got lost in my stress over the details. I tend to have a little trip anxiety anyway, but this was a big one, an 18-day road trip to a whole bunch of places I'd never been, plus it was the first big trip in my all-electric vehicle, 4,500 miles it was. 
Plus, my friends and I would be doing everything from attending a wedding on one hand to camping and hiking and kayaking on the other hand. And loving dancing the way I do, there is no way I was going west without my cowgirl boots. Dancing in Jackson, Wyoming was going to need to happen. And it did. Well, temperatures on, the tri on this trip were also going to range down from the 20s some nights up into the 90s and close to 100 some days. So you get the idea. Basically, we had to pack everything, including a little item that the National Park Service recommends called bear spray. I had never heard of this before, so I thought, what in the heck is bear spray? And how does one use it and under what circumstances? So it was in the midst of all that stress and anxiety that I came to the church one Monday, plopped down in a pew in the chapel for our weekly staff devotion, and lo and behold, the devotion that day was all about awe and wonder and touching a sense of awe and wonder in our lives. Our staff devotions, we all sign up, we take turns leading them, and that day, Sarah McKee, the fabulous director of our preschool, led a beautiful reflection about awe and wonder. And it hit me. The trip was about getting closer to God through this incredible creation and touching a sense of awe and wonder that can be hard to do in everyday life. But in all of my worry and stress, I had completely lost sight of the purpose of going. In our passage from Luke, Jesus says, Do not worry about what you will eat and what you will wear. Consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. God provides for them. Won't God provide for you? In this text, Jesus is with his disciples in a crowd, and right before this passage, someone in the crowd calls out to Jesus and asks him to settle a family dispute about inheritance. And Jesus replies by telling a parable about a man whose grain crops did so well that he decided to tear down the barns he had and build bigger ones so he could store up all his grain. The kicker, Jesus says, is that that man's life was being demanded of him that very night. He was about to die. So Jesus asks, what good are bigger barns? What good is a worrying? What you treasure is where your heart will be. So build up heavenly treasure, he says. Don't sweat the small stuff. So our national parks are pretty spectacular. I could go on and on about majestic mountain peaks and rushing waterfalls, geysers, and water boiling up from the earth. I didn't even know it did that. Glaciers and wildlife. I fell in love with God's good creation all over again. It truly is awesome. And I mean that in the true sense of the word. Awesome. And here's the thing about awe. Standing before mountains and valleys and glaciers, 
You get in touch with how small you are, how truly really kind of insignificant you feel in the large scheme of things. Traveling in the wonders of the world will do that. But I also saw ways that we are significant because we impact the earth. The glaciers we saw will likely be gone in a few years. Coming is the day when Glacier National Park will no longer have glaciers. And so in that way, I gained a sense of collectively together how significant we are. Did you know that the current geological age we are living in is called the Anthropocene? Anthro meaning human, meaning that this geological age is characterized not by what the earth is doing, but by what we humans are leaving behind. Where we used to leave behind our skeletons and some pottery shards. According to my friend Tim Beale, professor at Case Western Reserve University, in his new book, When Time is Short, the deposits we're leaving behind are concrete, plastic, carbon, and nuclear fallout. If we end up extinguishing ourselves as a species one day, that's the mark we're going to leave. Concrete, plastic, carbon, and nuclear fallout. I don't know about you, but I'd like my legacy to be more than that. And of course, our legacy in this life is more than that. We are significant in good ways to the people we love, the work we do, the neighborhood where we live. It matters that we live and breathe. It matters that we love and care. It matters that we practice kindness. It matters that we have a food pantry and blood drives. It matters that we're expanding access to mental health services. It matters that we show up for each other when we see discrimination and hatred. It matters that we vote on Tuesday and then again in November. We matter to each other. And we matter to God, who knows the number of hairs on our heads and who also is the creator of this incredible universe. So it's been just a few, in the few last few weeks, that NASA has released the first images from the James Webb Space Telescope. Are you following this? Have you been seeing this? These images that are being released are our first images from deep space. We're seeing farther back with this telescope than we've ever seen before in time, and we're seeing farther in the distance. So a little background in case you don't know, after 26 years in the making, the Webb telescope was launched on Christmas Day last year. So it's been up in space for about seven miles, for about seven months, and it's about a million miles from the Earth, a million miles into the cosmos. And this is one of the first images, this is the first image released from the Webb telescope just a few weeks ago. Every one of the colored disks or white disks that you see in this photo 
is its own galaxy. Not a star, not a planet, not even a solar system, but these are individual galaxies like the Milky Way. There are some stars in this picture. The pointy things that you see are stars. They're a lot closer to the telescope, but all the other disks, everything else we see are galaxies. The overall scope of this image is about the size of a grain of sand. So basically, if you took one grain of sand and you held it up arm's length from your eye, that's about the amount of space that this image represents in the universe. So think about all these other specks and what's out there. NASA's top scientist, Thomas Zerbukin, said that when he and his colleagues first saw Webb's images, they got emotional. He said it's hard not to look at the universe in new light and not have a moment that is deeply personal. What also captivates me about all of this is that what we see in these images is actually 13.6 billion light years away. When I was first processing this, I thought I had read it as 13.6 million. That's a whole bunch. And then I realized, oh, we're actually talking billion, 13.6 billion light years away, which means that this image is 13.6 billion years old, or from 13.6 billion years ago. It's a brand new to us image, but it's actually ancient history. Stars die out all the time and get, and get born all the time. And so if I understand it, if we were to see this one speck now, it actually would look completely differently because the universe has changed in all that time, if we could see it in real time. Astronomers also place the age of the universe at 13.7 billion years. So this image is actually from the universe's infancy we're getting closer to being able to glimpse the beginning of time itself. Another image that captivates me is this image. It's not an image from my trip, though. It sure looks like Rocky Mountains against a starry night sky. This is the Carina Nebula, which is considered to be young at a mere 7,000 years old. Each of these points of light is a star, and we think that many of them have planets orbiting around them. The Carina Nebula is kind of like a nursery for new stars being born. It's very productive. And so just in these two images from NASA, we get a glimpse of the universe back from its early stages, and we also see recent, ongoing, active creation of the universe. Well, Time Magazine published an article titled, What These Dazzling James Webb Telescope Images Mean for Space. But I want to ask, what do these images mean for us? Amber Strawn, one of the scientists working with the Webb, says, the Carina Nebula reminds me that our sun and our planets and ultimately us We're formed out of the same kind of stuff we see here. We humans really are connected to the universe, she says. We're made of the same stuff that's in this beautiful landscape. 
So what does it mean for us? Does it change us? Do we allow awe and wonder to open our imaginations and dream bigger dreams? Do we let it open our hearts and make us kinder and softer people? Doesn't it put life in perspective, especially the little things we fret over, which, like my trip anxiety, are often unnecessary? Nadia Boltz Weber, a Lutheran pastor and author, says just the idea of the cosmos used to give her anxiety. She said she'd make a good medieval person. She could wrap her head around just our solar system, the dome, but beyond that, she couldn't engage the universe meaningfully, and therefore, it just gave her anxiety to think about it. But she says the Webb telescope is changing that. She's touching a sense of awe and wonder in a place where she used to feel anxious. And it's inspired her to make a list of things that now make no sense whatsoever in light of these images of the universe. She put it out to folks on Twitter and her blog, and here are some of people's responses, things that don't make sense in light of the cosmos. Self-aggrandizement, superiority, my concern with shaping my eyebrows, the better-than-you mentality, having a nice lawn, whether I disappoint other people, COVID weight, obsession with which bathroom everyone's using, racism, and obsessing over achieving the perfect body type. What would be on your list of things that don't make sense in light of the cosmos? What gets right-sized when you stand in awe and wonder at the beauty of mountains or the preciousness of a child or the strength you somehow find to get through another day? What no longer makes sense to fret over or obsess about? And what if you made a list of things that matter most? What would be on it? Where does your treasure and your heart lie? For me, I'm trying to ground myself these days in the purpose behind things I do rather than my stress about them, the way Sarah McKee reminded me. I'm driving slower out in the world, trying to be as present to the journey and what goes by as the destination I'm going to. I'm trying to sweat the small stuff less and focus on people and relationships over how much I got done today or how perfectly clean my house needs to be before people come over. And when I find myself getting lost in stress and worry, I pull up images from the web telescope or places I've been, and I let myself delight in the beauty of all that God has created beyond my little orbit. I remember that God came to this earth through the loving, breathing, living life of Jesus Christ 
was embodied in our fleshy human form and loves each of us in such a way that God knows the number of hairs on our heads. I remember that the limits of our understanding are just that. They're our limits. They're not God's limits. And I trust that God is big enough and loving enough to see us through, come what may. I go to the awe and wonder place because I can. And you, my friends, you can too. Let us pray. Holy God, the magnitude of you and your ways are beyond our imagining. Give us the wisdom to open our hearts to awe and wonder and to remember that all of it is a gift from you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.